cold open, more like cold one. (laughs) (laughs) Mine's already open. (laughs) And I don't have one, so. (laughs) Cold open complete. Welcome, everybody, to the only podcast that's uh, important, uh, Bad Bandmates. Today... It's an aggressive <laughs> statement. Today, we are... Uh, yeah, and it'll definitely be solidified in this talk. <laughs> I mean, it'll, it'll... You know, we're very, very thorough. We know what we're talking about. Uh, that was sarcasm, if you couldn't tell. <laughs> um, <clears throat> however... I think the album and the person that we're talking about is important and mm-hmm. really amazing. So we're uh, we're gonna get into this. We already did one album by this person, and this was kind of an introduction to this artist for Josh, Kendrick Lamar, mm-hmm. uh, and we're going to be talking about the album "To Pimp a Butterfly." Right, amazing album. Uh, it it is the hip hop genre, if you if that sort of tickles your fancy. Um, album was released in March of 2015. Anyways, this album, uh, like I said, hip hop genre, and it has kind of uh, not the typical or not the sound of the time uh, hip hop sound uh, as far as the musical backdrop for it. Right. I think that this album. Definitely pulls just from funk and that California West Coast 90s sounding like G-Funk era mm-hmm. of hip-hop and elements of jazz. And it's it's crazy. I mean, it's, it's, it's a crazy project. The musical backdrop is just incredible. I love it. Um, I've done enough talking for the start. So, Josh, uh, this was more of a introduction to this artist and especially this album after good kid mad city what are your uh kind of thoughts i have listened to this album probably 15 times since you gave me it like minimum <laughs> front to back i i fell in absolute love with it i would call this a concept record and sure i think that it is probably the best one of my time that i've ever heard it's sure. definitely the most thorough most intricate and it's just so well written that I had to go back to it a bunch of times because you can't understand everything that's happening fully. Yeah. But it's just so fucking good. And I don't really have a lot else to say. It's a really good album. Even if you don't like hip hop, you should listen to this. And I do want to give a shout out to podcast that Nate's talked about before called dissect. They did a whole season on this album, and they go track by track, or he goes track by track, rather. And he goes really in-depth in the songs. We're not going to do it as aggressively as he did, so if you want to like really dive in, I suggest mm-hmm. listening to that podcast. But anyway. Definitely. it's um, The stuff that Cole uh, from Dissect finds and pulls from these lyrics, uh, we could never fit into one episode. <laughs> That's why no. he breaks them down track by track across like a ton of episodes and 
it's great. I I highly recommend that that podcast. Anyways, so to pimp a butterfly, how do you want to tackle this? Because track by track, uh, I mean, it would it would take a long time. But what do you think? What do you? Uh, I've got notes track by track, but they kind of all just interweave together. There's there seems to be, and I don't know if you view this the same as me, but there's like skits throughout it where some of the songs kind of blend into the same skit because it's essentially a short film. <laughs> Yeah, more or less. Yeah, similar to kind of how he how he laid out Good Kid, Mad City, just very cinematic. I mean, it's very much just so, yeah, yeah it, you know, you're watching a a dang movie that's you know three hours long, and it's you got to pay attention to you know that's that's the kind of likening that you could pull the his both of these albums to, but yeah. Yeah, so let's start it off. So Wesley's Theory is the track opener, or the album opener. Mm-hmm. I fucked that up. And it, I was I didn't know what I was getting into with this. I listened to Good Kid, Mad City second, actually, when we did this. Mm-hmm. So I listened to this album first, and this is not what I expected, because I've heard some Kendrick Lamar songs before. Nothing like right. this. So it comes in with, there's fucking George Clinton and Thundercat on it. Yeah, <laughs> which is crazy, but it comes oh, in with it. this like super funky seventies just funk. It's a it's just it hits you with funk right out of yep. the gate. It's fantastic. The basis of it, at least from what I took, and I'm not going off of dissect. I'm just going off the notes that I wrote because his was a little bit different than mine. But it seems to be him writing from a perspective of somebody that is successful and has money and essentially doesn't. He's like new to this form of life, coming from Compton and being you know uh in poverty and then getting to this point now and he has money to spend and he doesn't really know what to do with it or with himself and it's almost like there's these like temptations of like you know buy everything Mm -hmm. buy two of everything buy you know this and that and you know whatever just pay you know there's there's all throughout there's like talk of like lucy which is a metaphor for like the devil Mm -hmm. or like, you know, something like that kind of trying to lead you down a, a path of destruction. And then there's also references to like, you know, uncle Sam or like the government or like whatever in this track, because it's like, you know, you're getting all this money and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden it's like, you get hit with like, taxes and like the money that you really got isn't necessarily the money you got which uh wesley's theory is kind of based the title anyways is kind of based off of like wesley snipes who i think had what tax fraud or something to that effect yeah he it was something along the tax fraud lines like he didn't pay taxes for so many years and he went to jail for it or something like that right and it's like you know the whole motif of the song is all about like you have money but now you know it's like it's almost like you don't know what to do with it and you have all the this like life of glamour images being like a a hip-hop legend or like Mm -hmm. a a rap star and so you're 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 being led down that direction of just like you know buying the top of the line thing buying the best cars and the clothes right yeah it's the the uncle sam in the song is telling 
what would be Kendrick that he needs to live a certain lifestyle when where he was from in Compton he's not taught really how to handle money or what to do with it or what he needs to do but then he's being he's having like Rolls Royce and Rolexes shoved down his throat because that's what a hip hop star does so it's right. a really strong it's a, it's a very strong message right out of the gate plus fucking Thundercat <laughs> I know it doesn't get any better just just insane bass grooves throughout this that Thundercat had a hand in and you know you have other people like i think flying lotus uh who's kind of a uh, pretty unique like hip-hop uh producer and stuff like that um it, it this this album like i said at the beginning just musically is it's just in another league of its own mm-hmm. you know and so uh, it's just so good so anything else on wesley's theory uh no so then we move into for free Mm -hmm. i i learned after listening to it a bunch of times after listening to dissect i was curious if he had live musicians on this album and it turns out he did and he hired like really good musicians so it's this very i don't know like 50s kind of jazz i I don't know what era it would be in but it's this really fast fucking jazz music that you'd hear at like a swing club or a jazz club or something like that it's delightful yeah, it's super. It it gives a kind of almost uh, anxious feeling though for me. Like it's just so fast, and it just has so many like moving parts to it. And the the jazz behind it, behind the track, is just so beautiful. Like it's, it's really good. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible what they do with this. Um, and I don't know, like lyric wise, it's it's all about like kind of almost that same sort of building off of Wesley's theory, but like in a little bit of a twisted way where it's talking about like seemingly like maybe Kendrick's lover or somebody's, you know, with uh, a mm-hmm. lady who's saying like, you know, you're not shit. You're not buying me like this, that, and the other thing, you know, the other people that I've hung out with, you know, they're, they're buying me this why aren't you buying me this you know basically just like you have the money you know why aren't you kind of basically (laughs) buying out my love almost that's how it always feels like this song it's it's that like it's not about the interpersonal relationship between each other it's just like this song about like just the money aspect of things you know the fame the fortune nothing to do with anything else and then Kendrick just kind of goes into his whole spiel of so basically just starts off with his woman complaining kind of <laughs> there's no other way to put it but um you know just you didn't buy me this for the, you know the 4th of July you didn't buy me the you know and then Kendrick like <laughs> talks about how this dick ain't free yeah that's that's kind of the hook that he says is this yeah. dick ain't free but it's it's See, this is where he's clever because it, it's metaphorical. Yeah, yeah. And he's not literally talking about his dick in this, but he's essentially saying, like, you know, like, I, I earned this. I got to where I am because I got myself there. I'm not just going to buy you a fucking Brazilian wax because I believe that she asked for one of those in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, but then he also kind of builds off the. I, I feel like there's, like, actually, like, he kind of builds off the the surface level stuff, but then I think he also goes a little bit deeper into like actual like 
like African-American history kind of in America and uh, how we've got, you know, he's kind of talks about like he's got to the certain point and it's, it's not about like, it's not all about money. And I, I don't know. It's, it's, it goes so deep and he, sp- he speaks so fast. <laughs> it, he, he does really, really fast. And it, this is where, when I was saying earlier that they have sections, this portion leads you directly into King Kunta track three. Yeah. Like as he's building, he's, he's, he's basically telling the story of him being successful and having money and being with somebody from his quote unquote past life. Yeah. And then you move into King Kunta, which is, I mean, I don't know if you, we can, we can go back to this one too, but just to finish my thought, he kind of goes into King Kunta, which is a, a full, by the way, my favorite song on the album. Which sure. we'll, we'll talk about that, but it, King Kunta is just a big, like, fuck you, basically, to everybody from his past and where he's from. Yeah, almost. Yeah, exactly. That's that's definitely how you, you view it. And it, I mean, it even talks about, like, like other, other hip-hop artists or rappers that he may know or something like that, that, like, even talks about using ghostwriters, which is basically just people who write lyrics and everything for you. You're just the like performer sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, I don't know if it's, it's literal or metaphorical, but I mean, you know, yeah, it is kind of just a fuck you <laughs> sort of thing. Like you said, it, the, the part that I got that from, and I think dissect touched on this too, but I actually had this written down before I got to that. I was pretty proud of myself. Ooh. But he he says a line. He says, "True friends, one question." And then he said, "Where was you? Where were you while I was walking?" Da, 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 da. And he keeps going through. But it it's him. I think it it's playing off of the person in the song before asking him for shit, and then him saying, "Well, you weren't fucking like hanging out with me or doing anything when I was poor, and now I'm rich and I'm the king of the hip hop game at the moment." And right. people keep squirting up and asking him for things. Squirting up. Yeah, that's yep. That is a Josh uh, word that you would use in that scenario. No that one is else what would. I would do. But no, <laughs> I like to do that. <laughs> Just like imagine him <laughs> saying, "Like, bitch, why are you squirting up?" And now we're on a game. Got the whole world talking. Like, <laughs> I probably like it even more. Uh, <laughs> But mu- musically, King Kunta is, I'm Oof. not going to make the reference that I always think of, but it's along the same, if you guys haven't heard it yet, I know you've heard of Bruno Mars, and he put out a song with, what's the band that he made that song with? Mark Ronson. Mark Ronson. It's it, kind of that that funk style, the funky, yeah. jazzy, boppity, uh, but better, I think. And right. this is my, musically, it's my absolute favorite song on this album now. It just, yeah. if even if you're not paying attention to the message or what the song is about, it is so fucking well written musically. Like the, I can't stress enough how great the artists are on this album. It is so goddamn good. Yeah. Just absolutely unbelievable. Definitely. I mean, this was the song that, I mean, when I, when I first heard this album and this song came on, I was like, okay, like he hit, he he hits you with Wesley's theory, Mm -hmm. which is just this absolute like funk, banger and then you get the for free that gets this jazz and then king kunta has this back to that funk and west coast california g-funk vibe from the 90s you know dr dre and snoop dogg and stuff like that and it's 
but it's just revamped for a modern era and it's just beautiful yeah Mm -hmm. and then you move into institutionalized which i kind of read as the same in the same skit as the first three where Mm. being that he was with the people that were still you know his old friends maybe or girlfriend or whatever that was asking him for shit and then he moves into the i think he he hasn't talked about Lucy yet, but he's still talking about Uncle Sam at this point. Yeah. Which is pushing him to be the the rap hero that all of America wants to see and not necessarily who he is. And then instilu- institutionalizes just a, for me anyway, what I got out of it was an entire song just about systemic racism and how no matter how big you get or how far you get, it's going to follow that person. Sure. Which would be Kendrick in this case. So it's for me, it was him just stating that even though he got out of Compton where it was really prevalent for him growing up with police or just poverty in general, it still followed him into his everyday life. Even though he's successful and has money, he's still being controlled and told what to do and who to be by the man, which would be Uncle Sam. Absolutely. Couldn't have put it better myself, and I won't even try. They also have uh, have a... I don't know what the fucking instrument is, but it sounds like the same thing that Rob Burgundy plays. I love those little... (laughs) Flute things. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, there's some like jazz instruments and stuff in the background, definitely. Yeah. I, I mean, I throughout f- this, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it, another, it's another, but this one's a little more on the smooth jazz side. Yeah. Kind of yeah. mellows out a little bit, and they do have a little more of like a hip hop uh, beat style to it, laying yeah. over the jazz. Like these are, I think these are sampled drums, which is the first time. I, King Kunta had layers that I noticed, like it had it had live drums, and then it also sounded like it had some sampled kicks and whatnot. Yeah, uh, yeah. institutionalized. I think might have been full samples. I think. Don't quote yeah, probably. me on that. Yeah, I, I I can't remember who this pr- track is produced by, but I, I mean, it's as real as you're gonna get for like a hip hop album, especially like during this era. I feel like, and especially for how big Kendrick was it's yeah. it's as natural as it could be you know you're not getting those booming 808s and you're not getting that I guess stereotypical like trap beats that were kind of pretty big at the time and right. still are and stuff like that but like with the really really fast hi-hat stuff and whatever this was like yeah for the time I mean it was it was pretty pretty uh out there you know yeah and it's the kind of the kind of backing beats that really music in general that you'd expect to sound dusty as we've discussed before but it's not it's super clean and really polished and i assume that's because a a majority of this i'm from what i read was actually tracked live for the album so it's not sampled which is nice uh that little bit i was talking about the ron burgundy thing i think is just a saxophone and i'm stupid okay (laughs) okay (laughs) I was gonna but either say, way, yeah. it, it, I love it. It's beautiful. Yeah, perfect. Uh, these walls, I listened to like six times trying to gather what I took from it. Yeah. And I know that it's, in summation, you can just say that it's a song about sex. Yeah, in- instrumentally, uh, musically, I actually, I really like this track a lot. It has just such a, such a like steady, smooth funk beat, but... I don't know. It just there's something about it. I it just feels so like 
God, I, there's so many little bits to it that just add on top of it. The yeah. the the dude who's singing during like the chorus, the which he kind of has a kind of a interesting voice. Um, I love that, and typically I don't really dig like that sort of singing and stuff and in, in hip hop and whatnot, but I think it just layers really nice with the whole song. It does, um, yeah. and then. It has almost like this, uh, I think, I don't know if it's a Rhodes piano or whatever it is, but it's like got that like typical like 70s, you know, sort of really funky um, mm-hmm. jazzy piano in yeah, it. Yeah, it's a, it, it's a really, like a really soft key sound that kind mm-hmm. of blends, but yet it's still the main part of the song i think yeah. mac miller uses sounds similar to that a lot and it's just really mellow yeah gives it a really nice vibe they also i don't know if you noticed nate but they have a lot of little parts that come in and out like you said of this song and some of them are just super like 90s west coast hip-hop sounds mm-hmm. and it makes me a little reminiscent of tupac which is you know we'll get there but it makes sense yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely so i mean yeah kind of i mean like you said, this is hard to pinpoint onto one metaphor when there's like at least three or more going on during the duration of the song. Yep. So, yep, there's a lot happening. Next song is You and Musically. This so the song is kind of split into two sections. Musically, it remains kind of similar, uh, and it sort of leaves off where these walls did. It has some patty synths, some really soft keys and whatnot in it, uh, really smooth. And th- this is another one of my favorite songs on the album, just for the... Okay. We'll get into the meaning, but the on the second half of it, he kind of switches perspectives again because he does that a fucking lot in this album. And <laughs> he's done this before. I think he did it one time on Good Kid, Mad City. He uses this, like crying kind of voice or maybe he's really crying when he was recording this i don't know who knows but it's it's incredibly emotional and it's almost him just being like you know like you said do i even deserve this do i just questioning everything that he's got to this point in his life basically yeah (laughs) you know there's a line in it that says a friend never leave compton for profit or leave his best friend or a friend would never leave Compton, rather. So I know that just based off of an interview that he had some friends die while he was out on tour, and and I don't know, I'm assuming it was his first album, Good Kid, Mad City, when he was starting to blow up. And he talks about in the song how he didn't go see him when he was in the hospital. He FaceTimed him instead. And it's just, it's a super emotional song. And, and I feel like it's just him standing in the mirror, drinking himself into a pit. And like yeah. screaming at himself for being a fuck, basically. Yeah. Which is, it's really, it's in a very emotional moment on the album. And kind of a, as low of a point as it is, it's a peak on the album. Which again, is part of his genius, how he does that. Yeah, I mean, that's a good way to put it. it yeah, it just kind of is a very standout track. And for good reason, just because... Yeah, you're you're kind of riding along this emotional roller coaster with him, sort of thing. And this, yeah, this is definitely a a high emotional point on the album. And then we move into "All Right," which is uh, it's a so it's a it's a moment of clarity. So the hook is "We Gonna Be All Right," 
And I took it as him waking up and, you know, just pulling himself up out of the fucking depressed, shitty state that he was in essentially the night before. Yeah, I, I don't really have much more to say on this other than, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a great track. And, you know, it, it, it is almost like a, a a recap of like, you know what, this has happened in our lives and this has happened and, and that's happened. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we're going to be all right you know, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And, uh, yeah, I'm, and a lot of this stuff again, I mean, we can't really speak to the lifestyle and, and the stuff that, you know, Kendrick has had to deal with or the, you know, people he grew up with and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, it's just all in all, I mean, it's, it's powerful stuff to just, you know, have kind of this like unifying song of like, after everything that's happened, after everything that will happen, you know, we're still going to be together. We're going to be all right. Uh, that's kind of how I always view this song. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that's right, but, you know. It doesn't it's... have to be right. That's why it's our podcast. <laughs> hey. <laughs> or as you quoted, the best podcast ever. Uh, the next it, song, yeah. For Sale, question mark, is I think it's the first time that we're actually like fully introduced to Lucy. Sure. On the album, if I'm not mistaken. And I think this song was written pretty much in the perspective of Lucy just trying to lure Kendrick again into the fortune and fame lifestyle. Yeah. And move him completely away from what he where he's from and what he knows into being what Lucy wants him to be. Exactly. Kind of has a weird it's this weird, almost dreamy sort of sounding yeah. track. It sounded like it would be a Glass Animals B-side. <laughs> Kendrick would never I, stoop that I low. Wrote, I wrote that down. <laughs> I don't know if I actually believe that or if I just wanted to piss you off, but I did have that written down. It's definitely the latter. And the, yeah. Um, I, I think that it's, it's just as... It's so interesting, this track. I mean, again... You know, you go from All Right, which is this really, really hyped up sort of, you know, track. And and then you go into this weird dream state of, yeah, it, where it's essentially just him being lured by some, you know, satanic figure or whatever. You know, just trying to catch him and trying to get him to go down the wrong path, like you said. So, yeah. And then this is where, so there are a couple points where I get confused on the message again, because why wouldn't you when there's so much stuff happening, but you move into mama and Mm -hmm. I wrote down Kendrick is returning to his homeland of Compton with this newfound clarity and with the experiences from his new life and seeing where he's from in a new way. And this is where I thought that he was starting to take a turn to, to want to represent where he's from in his platform in like a positive way instead of the way that it's that he's being forced to push it out more or less by Lucy or uncle Sam or whatever it may be. Yeah. I don't know if that's right or not. That sounds perfect. Yeah. And I, I think obviously, well, you know, there, I don't know if we're going to get to the Tupac references later, but I think that mama also is like, I mean, Tupac has that song, dear mama. And it's, you know, and it's all about like, it just showing a love for, you know, your mom and stuff like that. I, and stuff yeah. like that. And I think this is just another reference to pull from the Tupac. Uh, mm-hmm. um, I don't know what I want to say from the Tupac discography, I guess. 
because I mean, I guess we can kind of like go into it right now, but I mean, there was talk before of like, uh, this, this album was going to be named to pimp a caterpillar. Um, and we'll kind of get into the themes that make the album what it is, I guess, hopefully later at the end, cause it kind of ties everything up nicely, but to pimp a caterpillar to PAC, you know, Tupac. I mean, it, it's, mm. this is just, I mean, as much as it is Kendrick's own story, I think it is him also representing the story of people who grew up in Compton and stuff like that. And I mean, you know, Tupac's one of those people that was from his area and stuff like that. And, uh, that yeah. he idolized and and he basically went through the same yeah the same life shuffle <laughs> growing exactly up and so you know it's it's definitely a representation of uh, all that stuff but all that to say i don't know how much that made sense but i think him having a song called mama and then tupac has that song kind of all dedicated to his mom and stuff like that i mean I don't know. The coincidence is there, I guess. <laughs> so, uh, Hood Politics is the next song. And to go along for the story, and then we can talk about it musically, but this is another, at least what I took out of it, is another song about mainly focusing on systemic racism. And, like, there's a there's a note in it that he, he is a nod to Killer Mike. Mm. Did, you, did you hear that part in it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, he says, everybody want to talk about who's this and who's that, who's the realist, who's whack, who's white, who's black. Critics want to mention that they miss when hip hop was rapping. Motherfucker, if you did, then Killer Mike would be platinum. And yeah. so, yeah, that line is just so, so good. And then he just kind of talks about how, uh, you know, the pri- your priorities are fucked up. You put the energy in wrong, your wrong shit. You know, Hennessy, Crown Vic. Yeah, it. So, it's um. Yeah, man, I I, I love that line. It's yeah, it, it is a really good line. I mean, this whole song is. This is another one of those songs that is so metaphorically thick. You'll you'll never fucking weed through it. No, and I I just it's like one of those things where um, so like a lot of times I listen to crazy like mathematical like instrumental music which is just like way out there and like i you know the the timing is you know the time uh signature of the track is like shifting and like all that weird stuff and and sometimes i just like sit back and think and i'm just like how 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 did they do this you know i'm like mentally how did they come up with these riffs or these uh drum grooves or sure. that solo and in the same way it's one of those things where you see all the the work and the effort that Kendrick puts in and at the same time you could never tear it apart totally because you're not him you don't have his mind you don't know how it works and he has all these references and these things that he can probably just pull out of thin air, you know, to say like, Oh, this connects to this, which connects to that and that. And, and like, then for him to formulate it in the song like this, it's like, I don't know how you do that. I, yeah. I it's insane. We move on to how much a dollar cost. It's a, uh, 
it, it, I, I took out of this song that it, it's, again, I don't know where this part fits in the story. I'm assuming just because he's in Compton and there's a lot of poverty. Maybe the he's in the store or in the song, he's talking about a homeless guy that's asking him for money and then, you know, basically teaching him not to be a dick because Kendrick doesn't want to give him a dollar. He's like, I fucking earned that. I'm not going to give you shit. Right. And then Kendrick's kind of like playing with his emotions in his head about if he should and why would he because he earned it. Why does he need to give it to that guy? And it's it's a real... Um, I have a like a soft spot for homeless people. Yeah. I don't have a lot of money or anything. So I like I don't have a lot to give, but when I see people in like that he's talking about in this song, like it really gets to me. And this is a conflict that I think that a lot of people struggle with is they're they look at somebody on the street and they're like, I don't want to give him a dollar because he's just gonna go buy drugs with it or right. something, right? And I personally have a problem with that mentality. And I think that's what this whole song was about, and being that he's, at this point in the story, he's still in Compton, it kind of adds up for me. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just this, like you said, you know, Kendrick's like, I, I earned this, you know, what did you do for this, you know? and Right, like you're just begging, why would I yeah. give you something? Yeah, and this this homeless man who kind of, I don't know how, I mean, of course it's not like, real real but like i think there's even metaphors to like him saying like you said teaching him a lesson but almost in the viewpoint of almost a religious perspective yeah you know to where it's like it's like that classic story of like the the good samaritan you know all these rich people and whatever past this begging man on the street and the person mm-hmm. who has nothing ends up being the one to like pick him up and stuff like that well this is kind of a a story of of that almost where it's like, you know, Kendrick has all the, the wealth and the status and the fame. And, you know, this guy is basically just like really at the end of the day, how much does a dollar cost, you know? And which is like such a, it's, it's kind of a powerful little phrase, you know? I mean, it's like, it's something you've earned. Yes. But at the, you know, at the end of the day, how much does that dollar really cost? You know, where did where did it come from, and what does it mean to you when it could mean the world to someone else? So I don't know. It's it again. You could break this album down, and it will be broken down for many years. <laughs> and yes, yes it so probably it, better than more. <laughs> That's dude. I think at the end of the day, I'm just happy that you enjoyed this and that you. I honestly, I didn't even need to do a full episode on this because I could have just told you in like a paragraph what I think of this whole album. Yeah. But I want to, I want to try to break it down and talk about it. Yeah. And we're almost done. So we are. Oh, I did want to make mention to James Fontelroy. I'm not really sure how to say his name. Uh, I don't know what he did on this album. Like if he played an instrument, it's, it's just, he's credited on it, on this song on how much a dollar cost. And I think that he was on uh, a bunch of Justin Timberlake albums. <laughs> it's just a okay. fun fact that I know. Okay. Maybe happy. I like Justin Timberlake. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Moving on to Complexion, which I I think, I could be wrong, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is another, like the whole song is kind of a nod to Tupac because Tupac had, I don't remember what the song is called, but he had a song basically saying whether you're light skin, dark skin, you know, anywhere in between you're, you're beautiful and that's kind of yeah. that's more or less what the track is yeah kind you can dive in more and like i Definitely. had read that he was 
he was playing the role of like a slave in the song with the perspective that he was speaking from. Whoa, and then okay. yeah, and then saying that people with lighter complexions have more like they they get more off of the you know the home that they live in than the people with darker skin. That was a story that I read that apparently he was alluding at in this. I mean, you you can dive so fucking wow. deep into this song like it's this is yeah. another one that like you'll get lost in a fucking rabbit hole if you try yeah. to figure out exactly what he's saying in it. Yeah. But this kind of has a nice little this one is kind of a a nice groovy little little track too. Yeah. I mean, very, it's got very almost like R&B-ish, I guess mm-hmm. you could say in in that kind of that like 90s R&B. Yeah, <laughs> it, it it reminds me of like a song off of an Usher album musically <laughs> that probably nobody's heard before, but right. like it's just it's smooth and it's sexy and it it's nice. It's a re- it's yeah. really pleasing to the ears. Yeah. And then we get into Did you get into the Black or the Berry and which holy is just fuck. <laughs> it, this song is absolutely insane. Like there's a, yeah, there's a lot like we there's a lot in a lot of these songs but this one has the most i think and i don't even want to try to pick it apart and i don't really want to try to blanket statement what i think that the song is about even yeah i mean it's a lot of like so if we take a look at where we've got to like through this album um it's a lot of like kendrick is sees where he came from, you know, doesn't like all the gang violence and the, all this other stuff. Um, but then he kind of realizes, you know, at the end of the day, we're going to be all right. And then he comes back to Compton and kind of gets almost like, it's almost like a frustration with how, how it's like, he kind of is trying to see it in another light, but it's, it's just not going to, he's just like one man and he's trying to change things. And, Mm -hmm. And and then at the end of the day, it's like, well, this whole song he kind of makes reference to. I'm I'm the biggest hypocrite of 2015. You know, once you once you hear this, you'll you'll understand what I mean. Is essentially kind of the the thing he says at the beginning of each one of his verses to yeah. some to some way, shape, or form. And it's almost like he's trying to be this man of like. <sighs> It's almost like that Jesus figure of like coming back to where, you know, like to bring like salvation and Mm -hmm. like distribute wealth throughout Compton and and, um, you know, help out the people that he grew up with. And but then at the end of the day, it's like, you know, then he kind of talks about, well, but I've done all that stuff. You know, I've done the I've done the most heinous shit and I've done you know, I don't know how true it is. I don't know if he's playing a role, but you know, at the end he talks about how he's, he's killed somebody, you know, and mm-hmm. it, which this song has so many layers to it. that it really I, Yeah, does. we can't, we can't, but like, I, I even think that I think this was the case. I think the dude from dissect, I think he worked with someone to write like a literal book just on this song. It was a shorter book, but like, mm-hmm. I mean, a book on one song breaking down everything 
And this episode, I think, on Dissect was broken up into two parts. Yeah, because two, it was two so... fucking 40-minute parts, and I yeah. still feel like they didn't. They, they still didn't get out all of it. Yeah. and you know, like there's I no mean, way to do it. I, all I know is when this song comes on, like, the beat is sinister. It's maybe the, like the heaviest sounding beat it, on the it, yeah, album. It's, it's dark and it's, yeah. it's heavy, and, but it's a fucking groove at the same time. It kind of hits so many different realms. Yeah. And, and you kind of feel like this looming darkness sort of with this mm-hmm. track. And, and um, as much as like you could dive into it for eternity, I think that at the same time, you catch what he's saying throughout the track. So I would just say that like in context of the album and in context to everything we've seen him kind of go through and come out of to this point, this is like almost the end. And it's like a true reflection of his life and where he's come from, what he's gotten to this point, And then, him almost saying am i even worthy to be like that person that people look up to because i've done the exact same things i'm not a savior i'm not this that and the other thing but and then it goes into i which i think is just another portion of that reflection point and it's him from what i from what i got it's him in a way like accepting his power and knowing that he can he can speak on behalf of the community that he came from and the people that he knows and the, the, you know, the surroundings that he was within and he can be like a positive voice out of that and not listen to the Lucy of the album. And he right. can be like a voice for his, his generation and his, his people and his area and the town that he's from. And yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. And, and it's almost like this after all the self-reflection and getting to this point, it's, it's like, at the end of the day, you know, I know who I am and I love myself, you know, and it's not like in a, in a, um, a prideful way. It's more of a like comfortable and knowing who you mm-hmm. are and, yeah. and stuff. So I love that. I love that yeah. sentiment of this track. Yeah, it, it was very good. And, and then on a musical note, he has a live version on the album mm-hmm. and I did listen to, there was a single release that was a studio recorded version Yeah, and I like the live one more and this guy puts on a fucking show. Jeepers. Yeah. Yeah. He is a, he's a talented guy. Yeah, My I don't goodness. know like how how quote unquote live it is, but it it certainly gives you that feeling of like I mean he just was killing it. I mean, it was just absolutely good. And then to just go off the story and it, it seems like he's in Compton and he's like giving a show, you know, yeah, sort of thing. And then a fight breaks out. Kendrick kind of gives them a stern talking to of like, Hey, you know, we're royalty. We're Kings. We're Queens. You know, we can't be doing this. You know, we can't be fighting each other or anything like that. You know, we should be at the highest level. Which yeah. is, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a powerful speech that he gives. Uh, and it's really interesting the way it plays out in an album like this. I, I think it's just genius what mm-hmm. he did. It and really is. And, and if it wasn't the live version, I don't think that it would have played into the story as well. 
being yeah. that he has that that bit in it, and it kind of is, is a playback from the Black of the Berry, where the in in summation of it, he's saying like like we can be a good community, but we have to be a fucking community. Like we're all beautiful, and we're all great, we're all kings. Stop fighting with your neighbors. Yeah, exactly. And then you move into Mortal Man. Longest track, uh, most interesting, and just ties the album together beautifully. So there's a... This is the only song musically that I I felt the beat had that dusty vibe Mm. that I thought that a lot on this record would, but I don't know if you noticed that or not, but this sounded like it was like a sampled record off of a shelf somewhere. And you didn't sure. get that a lot on this album before because everything was either, either live tracked or it was super fucking produced. Yeah. So that was nice for the beginning bit. Uh, he has his his lyrical hook when he's actually doing the song or singing the song or playing the song or whatever the fuck it is when the actual song is playing is when shit hits the fan, is you still a fan? Yeah. Right? Which is the whole hook is... Uh, at least what I got out of it is like, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to speak for, for us, for my community, for Compton and try to be a voice and try to make everything better. But like, if I fail and if I fuck up and if I lose everything I had, are we still going to be good? Yeah. Are you still going to look up to me? You know, yeah. are we still, still going to band together? Accept me and love me and yeah. all that jazz. Any references, you know, quite a few um, figures who've fallen from grace Uh, of the public eye and um you know it's almost like you get to that back it's almost like you get back to a point of almost fear from kendrick of like the role that he's choosing to take on now which i don't know i don't know if that's how true that is but it, it just is it just seems like he's it's almost like a a nervous sort of thing. Yeah, it's it's a play off of that clarity. Like, I know who I am and what I want to do and what I need to do, but I'm scared to do it. And, like, are yeah. you guys going to accept me if I try to do it? Yeah. So good. And then... And then you get to the fucking shit, the, to the thick of it on the album. So unbelievable. He, he finally finishes the poem that he's been building up through the whole, the whole album. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to read it, but... You guys can look. I'm not going to read the whole fucking thing. I thought no. about it, but I'm not going to read it. But he, he finishes the poem, and then he ends it with pretty much saying, like, that's all I wrote. This is what I was going to call it. Um, I'm glad that I got to talk to you because you're somebody that can relate to this. And then he starts having a fucking conversation with Tupac. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, like, when I mean that, I, I or when I say that, I mean it in a literal way. Like, the yeah. way that he pulled an interview <laughs> with Tupac... And cut and and pasted things, and he had a conversation with Tupac about everything that was said on this album, everything that was in his poem that he that he stated. And yeah. Tupac gives his perspective on you know what, what Kendrick's been saying. Yeah, what what Kendrick's been through, what he's what Tupac has been through, which is the same thing as Kendrick essentially, and yeah. what he needs to do from here. And it is so fucking heartwarming and touching because I I I think that Tupac is probably one of the most poetic people that ever lived. I it's firmly great. believe that. And mm-hmm. this it, it as as weird as it was, it made sense because I think that this this whole album, or really Kendrick Lamar in general, is on that same level as Tupac. And although it wasn't like a real conversation, I I really it, like I felt like it was. 
And oh yeah, it was, it was just so good. It, it there's there's so many little things that whoever was helping with like the the sound design or production on this particular portion of this was like did these little things yes there's added a fucking, so much there's a high five in it when they yeah. say something they like clap hands what the fuck that's yeah. so good like they're kind of like they're kind of like laughing with each other and like that yeah they like do it's you can almost see them kind of just like you know doing the you know doing the kind of clap hand hug sort of thing that's mm-hmm. just because <laughs> you can kind of hear them like thumping each other and like yeah stuff like that and i'm like wow dude like <laughs> like it's just two, just two buddies insane. just hanging out like yeah smoking a cigar and having a drink together and, and talking about life and it, it the way that they put it together is fucking amazing yeah and and then it it talks about kind of the whole meaning behind the album like after that, mm-hmm. you know, Kendrick asks him some questions, blah, blah, blah. He says some, some about his friend writing this other poem, um, you know, and, and he goes into it. And then, um, while Kendrick and Tupac were talking like before, it just ends up kind of swooshing into this weird, like nice mellow jazz sort of in mm-hmm. the background. Yeah. Which I, then, I think was a, a nod to sort of the beginning of the album. Yeah, I think because they they kind of went back to that same similar style that they introduced right away in Wesley's theory. Yeah, and then Kendrick like gets out this other written work, um, not of his own, I guess. Uh, he makes that clear, and then he just talks about you know I have this other thing you know I, I just wanted to get your your perspective on. And he starts reading this poem. Yeah, so again, it's almost like that whole thing of, like, they saw Kendrick as this person who was just consuming everything around him, the gang violence or the 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 the, the Compton lifestyle, let's just say. You know, the everything he described in Good Kid, Mad City, drugs, violence, uh, sex, you know, and then kind of you know, sees what people praise and then kind of, you know, tends to kind of like shut up, you know, shut her up and, and kind of resent the, maybe what the outcome should be. And eventually, you know, sitting and reflecting in the cocoon, you know, then eventually, it be, you know, they begin to emerge into this butterfly, bringing new new concepts and new um what does he say it shed light on situations the caterpillar never considered so it's almost like it's almost like kendrick was one of many and then he kind of you know he he got famous he did the whole thing you know and then he's reflected back on his city and his people and then now he's coming back and kind of showing them how it could be but again, it's one of those things where it comes back to like, does he want to be that sort of savior person to lead everybody out? And I don't know. It it's it's so heady <laughs> that I, it just I don't know. I I don't know who's right. Probably the, the dissect guy. Um, <laughs> on, honestly, it just makes 
it's it's almost like it makes sense and i know what he's trying to say but i can't explain it no it's hard <laughs> to put into words the the main point is this album is fucking amazing i yeah. think i really truly believe that this is probably one of the best written albums of my lifetime yeah like I would the, agree. the thoughtfulness and the creativeness and the the time and everything that was put into this I think is incredible and I wanted to tell you too that I I think that I would be hard pressed to believe that he didn't write this poem that he talks through you know the the little bits that he does I feel like he would have written the poem and then wrote the songs according to the sections of the poem which is fucking amazing cuz there's no other way he could have done that he couldn't have written these songs and then wrote a poem to them so this guy right. wrote like a, a, a like sixteen line poem, and then made a sixteen track album out of it. It's fucking incredible. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, I uh, Kendrick is incredible storyteller, uh, songwriter, musician, hip hop artist. I mean, this album was insane. <laughs> I. I just can't even it's an album that as much as like you can probably think just with how uh, out there some of the concepts are and how it can be really almost exhausting um, to kind of dive into this album just based off a description. Um, I think that this album, once I put on put it on, like I can't stop listening to it. It's just it just kind of it's not like one of those albums where you can kind of pick and choose little tracks. Although there are standouts, I think it's like, you might think of it as like, I don't know if I want to listen to this album. It seems overwhelming, but like, I think if you enjoy music or art in general, I think that this album is important Yeah, and it also just deals with, you know, some interesting stuff that maybe can bring some perspective to your own life or uh, what's what's really going on outside of your life and what other areas of our country or uh, people are dealing with. And, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I, I don't really have much more to say, I guess. And I'm, I don't want to talk anymore. I just feel like... I, I feel like this album is just perfect. <laughs> it, it really, it, it really is. That's my last note that I have is I truly, truly believe that this is a perfect album. And yeah. if you guys aren't into listening to like lyric meanings or like diving into anything like that, that's fine. I recommend listening to King Kunta cause you will like it. Yeah. You will. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. You will like that song. That's the only song on the album that I can listen to on its own and not sure. have to listen to the rest of the album. And it, it is is super good. Just give this give this album a chance if you haven't yet. You really need to. Yeah, and if you do end up liking it, I highly recommend dissect. Yeah. Um, just to get an even deeper dive. It's like <laughs> it's like director's commentary. Like it's like it's like your favorite movie, and then you like go into like the the commentary and and stuff right. like that. Yeah, you have you have the director and like the one of the actors speaking over it too. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. So, anyways, I mean, that's it. That's I it. Mean, 
to pimp a butterfly. There's been a, there's been a few artists that you've given to me that I've liked, and this one hit me with as much love as Mac Miller did when I started to get into that, and that was a big one for me. So I fucking thank you. Since you listened to this fifteen times plus, oh my god, I've listened to it so many times. <laughs> have you have you attempted to go through Damn yet? No, I haven't. Okay. I want to buy it on vinyl before I listen to it. That's the way that I want to do that. Okay. Well, maybe uh, maybe a couple weeks from now we'll do Damn, and uh, we'll give a break. You know, we, we did two weeks in a row of Kendrick. I mean, you know how many times I can listen to "To Pimp a Butterfly" in the next two weeks? <laughs> quite a bit. A lot. A lot. Um. So that was it. I. Uh, Josh did his deep dive on uh, Kendrick, you know, two albums, I guess, if you want to say that's a deep dive. Um, deep enough. I think he's uh, an important artist of our time, and um, he was supposed to have re- released something in 2020, but kind of COVID messed that up. So we look forward to 2021, and who knows? We might yeah. get a Kendrick album. In the meantime, make sure you listen to To Pimp a Butterfly. And if you haven't yet, Good Kid, Mad City. Uh, Listen to Good Kid, Mad City first, though. That's the order that they are supposed to be in. Don't fuck it up like I did. And make sure you check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Search Bad Bandmates. If you like this episode, you can share it from our website onto your social medias. So that way all your friends can hear us talk and gush over Kendrick. Right. And... We're not going to do a bad band names, just like with Good Kid, Mad City. Just, you know, I think, yeah, just we're just going to leave right. it at this. It just doesn't a, feel right to do it. Yeah, it's a long episode, and it just... It's a long episode, and this is too good of an album to to end the episode with making note. dick jokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, one of mine is like, well, I don't, I don't even, I don't want to spoil it, but yeah, I mean... <laughs> I have one written down called Tit Squeezer. <laughs> so this has been bad animates uh it's so long and goodbye <laughs>